Bam, we're live. Caleb, thanks for hosting the show. Bye bye. Ah, good to have What's, you on, dude. You, Tom, I'm, I'm happy to be here, brother. Hey, I like that. Uh, oh, you have a video camera pointed at you. I do. That's oh, and that's how you have that shallow depth of field. That's the only reason. You are slick. You are slick. <laughs> yeah. I love having guests like you on because then I can brag that I read a book, even though I just listened to it. I can be like, oh, yes. I, <laughs> like my wife's like, where are you going? I go, well, just I'm going to do a podcast with this book, this author of this book I read. Like all like just a little swag. Yeah. Back into my yeah. You did the whole audible. Yeah, I did. It was great. And uh, it has all of the um, it, it has your, your homeboy interviewing you in kind of in between chapters, getting like deeper insight into into the chapters. Yeah, my boy Woody, he was in like a, a, bit, a really big rock band called uh, Our Last Night. He, he's got two best-selling books too. I mean, the guy knows how to talk, so I think he made the he made it more interesting. Was that your idea to do that for your book, or did your agent or your manager was? Said no, I didn't have an agent or manager. I uh, I was just like, yo, this would be dope to run it like podcast style, you know? I've never and, seen that. I listen to a lot of audio books. I've never I've never seen anyone else do that. The only other person that did it was uh, David Goggins. He ran it, not the same exact way, but pretty similar. I think he's probably the only other person. It's it's pretty seamless. How how did you do that? Did he come in with notes and then and then he's like, okay, let's talk about chapter one. Okay, let's talk about chapter two. Or we actually just did everything off the riff. It was kind of crazy because he uh, he had printed out like he had printed out the whole book and then he started like making notes as he was reading it. And then I was just like, when we went in, I was like, yo, let's just do everything off the riff. Whatever comes to your mind, stop and let's just start talking. And that was it. We didn't edit anything. We just went, just, we just did it super raw, you know? Um, what was the, um, why did you write this book? You're so young to have already written your first uh, autobiography. Man, I went through, uh, you know, as you read, I went through like the whole cancel culture and, and I, and I kind of wanted to just kind of talk about, I wanted to get my whole, the whole truth of that story out there. And then I kind of wanted to talk about, you know, just what kind of the, the, the truth that's going on you know, behind closed doors and in the belly of Hollywood. And I did it in a way where I use myself as a references instead of bringing other people down in that sense. But I was able to just kind of like explain just how the whole industry works and how there was no happiness for me, at least inside there. And, and, and how I would, was able to start living my truth now and, and be able to you know share that and be in service with others. Uh, excuse me one second while I whoop someone's ass in the comments. Uh, why wouldn't he write a book? Listen, Corey, you motherfucker. Why wouldn't you write a book? Why haven't you written a book? God damn it. Go go back to jumping rope. You just ju- just listen, Corey. You don't know more comments from you. Get your hands off the keyboard. <laughs> I didn't realize people can do uh, live comments. Ah, oh, yes, yes. This is it's a it's a rowdy, it's a rowdy talk shit and talk shit and group. Yeah, 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 Let's yeah, get yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Let's yeah, get a fucking yeah. pop in there. Good, 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 Corey. You're a good dude. Double unders, <laughs> thousand double unders while you listen to the show, buddy. Um it, so so uh Caleb, can you bring up a cover of the book? The book is actually really, 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 really cool. Uh, I listened to it um, on audio as I drove my kids all around town to all of their shit, and it was sweet. And it's a fun book because those of us who don't live in the L.A. scene, it gives us a peek into it in a really cool way. And it could have been a downer book because, you know, it's um, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Not enough sex, but um, lots of uh, drugs and rock and roll. 
And um, you, you need to do a tell-all sex book, by the way. And um, <laughs> it, it is a, it's a fun read, but with tons of lessons. So it's a guy who's giving us a fun peek so that we can kind of live through him vicariously. And then there's, the, you know, like any uh, good journey, there is a, um, there's some demons to battle. And, uh, and, and it's fun to watch how um, Eli overcomes it. And since a lot of my people who listen to this podcast are hardcore CrossFitters and are pretty hardcore extreme athletes, I think you'll be very happy with some of the outlets that um, Eli finds. Uh, so so when, you, when you think about, is, is writing the book your idea? So there's, there's a couple of easy things to say. I could be like, oh, you wrote the book because you didn't like the way you were treated in the press. So you wanted to get your own voice out there. Or you wrote the book for your own um, psychotherapy, your own, you know, cathartic, you know, it's like taking yeah. a massive shit, you know. Um, it was like maybe fasting for you. You wanted to purge yourself of it. What, how does it, how did it happen? It was crazy. Cause I, when I was going through all the, you know, the bad press and the cancel culture stuff, I had just kind of disconnected from the world. I just changed my phone number. I disconnected my social media, sat in front of the mirror one day, just started bawling. And I was like, yo, how the fuck am I going to turn this shit around? And then I was like, you know what? Everyone's always wanted me to write a book on my life. So live such a gnarly life. Oh, so uh, people had said that to you. Oh, dude, you got to write a book. Yeah, for sure. You know, with, you know, the celebrity connections that I had and friendships, the club that I ran, all that type of shit. And, and everyone's like, yo, you just lived the craziest lifestyle. Why don't you write a book about it? And at that time, I was like, there's no way I can write a book on this, like, while I'm still in this industry. And when all that went down, I was like, fuck it. This is like the biggest kick in my ass to be like, yo, this is your chance to get out and, you know, change your life around. And I guess, like, when I went to write that book, the whole point of writing that book to me was just if I could change one life with it, that's all that kind of mattered to me. And then besides your own hundred percent. Wow. And, and do you remember the first day you sat down and started writing? Like, was it real? Were you like, Holy shit. I'm yeah, it was, yeah, it was crazy. I had never even finished. A, I had never even read a full book in, in, in my entire life up until that month. And then, awesome. and then Wait, what was that book? And what was that book? Um, I think it was rich rolls, uh, finding ultra. Have you read that book or no? No, but I'm going to, is it good? Yeah. It's a fucking great book. Yeah, that was uh, actually my friend Allie. I was like, yo, you got it. Like, she had been telling me about this guy forever. And when I was in the nightlife, like, I didn't give a shit about like the health. I mean, I cared about the health world, but like the dudes that were like pushing all the good stuff out there and stuff, I wasn't paying attention to that. I was just paying attention to what was, what, what, whatever was it, like, what was in my world with nightlife and stuff. So, um, yeah, that was the book right there. It's a fucking great book. And, uh, do you know him? Book? I don't know him. I, I think we have mutual friends. He, he doesn't, he doesn't actually live that far from me either. And he does a lot of running as well too. And, uh, no, but we don't, we don't personally know each other. We've talked on, uh, you know, Instagram DMS here and there, but that's about it. But yeah, I just got down to there and started, I read that, I read that book and then I started writing. I had no idea how to write. I just started like Googling shit and then didn't really tell anybody what I was doing for months. I stayed off instant. So I stayed off social media completely for eight months. I didn't even know that we had even riots going on here pandemic didn't even really happen for me. I was just literally getting up every day, meditating, reading, writing, running 15, 20 miles per day, and then just doing this on repeat every single day. Oh shit. So, and you talk about that in the book, which is just fascinating to me. It's kind of like what a lot of people say when I talk to them about the news or what's going on, they'll be like, Hey dude, I have no idea. I've completely unplugged. You actually had riots going in your town. That was like during the whole Ferguson when George Floyd, uh, got, got, um, busted for, fentanyl meth and ran into a cop and put his knee on him and he died right that whole mess yeah there was like a hundred thousand people on like hollywood on hollywood Boulevard. i had no idea i had no idea it was even going on people were no shopping idea. for free in beverly hills <laughs> they still are it's gnarly out here 
Hey, total, total, total side subject. Do you think we're going to get a, you think it'll ever, um, it'll ever go back to normal to like where it's like in, in my town in Santa Cruz, California, it's okay to steal stuff like $950 or less. You think that's that ever, here. yeah. Do you think that's that ever goes here. away? You think we ever get a governor who's like, okay, everyone's going to be accountable and responsible for their behaviors wow. again. And I think, I think, it, I think, I think things get fixed eventually, but I don't think anything's ever going back to normal. Like this is the fucking new normal now. You know what I'm saying? It's like this, like I don't, and nothing's going back to the way it was two years ago. I thought that's for sure. Yeah. Is, is LA the, when I, when I visit LA, like California in general, in, in my opinion is really bad. It, it is the home of woke culture, blame other people, lack personal accountability, lack personal responsibility. Mm. I made it to the top. And instead of telling you how hard it was and how hard it worked, I'm going to feel sorry for you and throw you crumbs down and make you weak. Do you, but I think of LA as kind of the birthplace of that shit. Like when I go down there, I'm like, holy shit. Like, um, is it, is it, is it? Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a lot, there's definitely a lot of people like that, but then there's definitely a lot of people like us. I mean, I mean, we all got a sad fucking story. We're harder motherfuckers, you know, like, I, yeah. don't, I don't feel, I'm, I'm not empathetic for any of those people, man. Like we've all, we're all going through shit every fucking day, man. Like people just got to man the fuck up and just, we just live in a weak ass society right now, man. It's insane. And nobody wants to take accountability. Everybody wants to point fingers, but at themselves, but, but at themselves, you know, and it's just, it's just a gnarly time we're living in. Did you ever have a wake up moment? Like, were you ever, were you ever like realized that, Hey, feeling sorry and pity for people like maybe isn't the way to go. It's better to just tell people like, Hey, no one's coming for you. You got it. You got to do it. Yeah. You guys, I mean, I guess like when I went through everything, I knew that no one was coming to fucking save me. I knew no one's coming to help me. I was like, fuck it. You got to be your own hero and get the fuck up and, and figure it the fuck out. No one's, no one's coming to do this work for you. Especially at that time. Like, I felt like the whole world was against me. So I didn't have a choice. It was either fucking go, go down, go downwards, go, go back downwards, go spiral, go get back on drugs and party and run away from it or fight it, uh, fight it face forward and fucking come back stronger. Um, you guys, there's P he, although he changes the names in the book, there are people that you will uh, figure out when you read the book that Eli rolled with the biggest names, everyone that, you know, all the people you grew up with on Instagram, all the people who sing your favorite songs, all of these people make, um, appearances throughout the book. And Eli was a, um, was a very ambitious, ambitious entrepreneur who became an intrapreneur. Are you familiar with that term? Intrapreneur? Intrapreneur, entrepreneur. Intrapreneur. That's a new one for me. Yeah, I just learned it. You are an amazing intrapreneur. You know what I, I was reading? Do you know who Patrick Bed David is? Sounds familiar. Armenian, Assyrian guy, 6'5", worth several hundred million dollars, has an insurance company with like 20,000 employees. Anyway, he... Um, he entrepreneurs are people who act like entrepreneurs inside of a business. And if you can find entrepreneurs, you're stoked because they just run with shit. And that's what you did. You entered the club, the club scene and basically every club you entered, um, you acted like it was your own and gave it your all. Like you're 100%. the kind of dude, if, if, if you work for someone, when you're in the bathroom, if there was toilet paper on the ground, you picked it up and threw it away. Yep. hundred percent. You know, right. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was just pumped it. Like, I mean, you know, there was always a long haul play to me in my mind. It was never like short term. Most of these guys that were coming to the game were just people that were promoting and working for clubs. They just go to the next best thing, next best thing. But like I always had loyalty with whoever I was with and it paid off in the long run. Yeah. There's not a lot of people like you. I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you, man. There fucking isn't. <laughs> it's 
it's weird, right? Because it's a lot of hard work what you did, but the good thing is is that there's not a lot of competition because there's not a lot of hard workers. But you have to kind of be in it for the long haul. You can't be stealing twenties out of the drawer mm. because you're in it for the long haul. Hundred percent. I mean, the majority of people, man, they just can't see it. And then today's today's generation, it just like everybody wants the quick buck. That's just how it is. Nobody wants to work anymore. There's no hard work. Just nothing, man. Like it's just only getting worse and worse. It's it's, it's bizarre. And and you went and there's this whole culture of people who be like, you need to have boundaries and you need to tell people what you want and you need to stand up for what you believe. But I loved your story of when you got the job at the Warwick. Didn't ask him how much it cost. Didn't, no, didn't that, no, that one was at, that was at Playhouse at the start. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah that's a Playhouse Playhouse at the start. Go ahead though. No, no, you go ahead. I want to hear that story it, like from your mouth. Yeah, I mean that one was crazy. I think I was just at the start of it. And I just got in there, you know finagled my way in there and then just started working for maybe like over a month with no pay created my own job title and then then started from there and then i eventually got like 400 bucks a weekend something like that but it wasn't even about the money it was all the connections that i was making and that's like i and i saw the long picture with it you know and you worked for free basically yeah and from there you climbed the charts over how many years to eventually get into the most prestigious nightclub in la um, I think I was with the playoffs guys for like five years. Then I was with the Warwick guys, maybe for like two years or less. And then I partnered with the Warwick guys. Yeah, it's nuts. Is 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 the club scene in LA um, dangerous? I mean, what do you define dangerous? Uh, um, uh, obviously, there's a lot of temptation there, but you know, through drugs and alcohol and all that fun stuff. But by uh, physically dangerous, like. Um, like any night you could get a, a bottle broken over your head or a fight breaking. I out mean, or, yeah, I mean, anything like that can happen anywhere you go. You know what I'm saying? I mean, people are fucking drunk. They're high. Like, you know, then you got crazy exes here, crazy exes there. But like, yeah. I rarely like, I mean, I think at the start of my career, I used to see like gnarly fights and then things slow down. But I mean, obviously I haven't been out to a club and like a real club or anything in like almost two years now. But I mean, I heard shit's been fucking hectic with people leaving the clubs now because these dudes are waiting for the people with money to leave and then they're following home and then fucking beating them taking all their shit robbing their houses it's just fucking it's just crazy there's like a new story like two days ago they in the middle of the fucking day in beverly hills they just fucking stole like five million dollars worth of i think five million dollars i'm not exactly sure but like just all this jewelry from a fucking window in the middle of broad daylight in beverly hills just fucking masks on breaking everything and just dipping out in a really nice area too dude it's just, it's just crazy is is that the area over there? By I only know um, there was a hotel there I used to stay at. Two hotel. I used to stay at the Four Seasons over there and the Montage. And the Montage was kind of on that fancy. Yeah, um, that's a, yeah, yeah, that's in a nice area. This area was super nice too. I don't know the exact cross streets of it. I know where it's at in the top of my head, but it's pretty close to there. I mean, there there was people getting robbed and like for their fucking watches, eating outside of El Pasteo and all these you know fancy restaurants and stuff. I mean. Unless like you're, you know, you got like some private security guard rolling around with you all the time. It's just like, there's not much more you can do. And these guys aren't, there's, there's no, there's no consequences for these dudes. It's just crazy. Yeah. I, at some point, um, these people who have voted these people in power are going to have to say enough is enough. I, I think it's, I think it's getting there, man. I think it's fucking getting there. It's so fun. Chris. See, there you go. This is at the jewelry store. Holy Bizarre. shit. Yeah. I'm not joking. Yeah, man. Is a video on there? Yeah, watch that video. It's bizarre. Oh, wait, no, that's not. That's like the after, unless they play like the before. How do they not actually have the video on there? 
Wow. It, were, were there? Did you see fights every night in the clubs when you were there? Nah, it was rare, man. I mean, like things would get broken up pretty quick. Especially our club, we didn't have like it wasn't too rowdy. It wasn't like that. But I mean, dude, you know, like you're dealing with people that are just fucking out of their minds every night. So there's no like, it's just it's just one year and out the other. It doesn't matter. There's no there's no like there's no fixing anything with these people at that time, right? Like there's if they're angry, they're fighting. It doesn't like there's no stopping them. It's just like it's just you're talking to a wall. I dealt with it forever. No. Yeah, you described it perfectly. It's like talking to a wall. Um, what was your position in the nightclub? I know you talked about. I was, it I, was a, I was an operating partner. And what does that mean for those of us who have no fucking clue? I mean, to other people, I'd be considered an owner, right? Like, there's like a few partners, and then there's investors and stuff, and then there's the face guys, and like we were the face. I was like pretty much the face of the club, and then I had pretty much two other guys that were with me that were always, always there as well, and um, they're considered managing par- partners or operators as well too. But to the outside world, like, okay, oh, those are the owners. You know what I'm saying? Well, there's just like, there's like, you know, there's always like a, a guy that puts up most of the money. Then you have the investors and you have the managing partners and you have the managing operators. And then that's just kind of how that situation works. And, but, but in terms of like the guests, they viewed you as the host of hosts. Pretty much. I was the face of the club, you know, so majority of any celebrities coming in, uh, majority of the money spent there, I was bringing in like, um, I pretty much had it all from A to Z with everything I was doing, but that was just, you know, 10 years of just fucking grind and working and, you know, just being very authentic and real with people because in this city, you know, all you see is bullshit. So most people can read you in the first 30 seconds. So, you know, I definitely had some times where, you know, ego took over, you know, when money started coming in and, you know, the fame started coming around and stuff. But for the most part, I still stayed true to who I was from day one. And, you know, people saw that and they just were like, all right, cool. Like, yeah, maybe Eli was like this every once in there, but he's a good dude. He's got a good heart, and that's why we fuck with him. Like, he's just real. He doesn't fucking bullshit. There's no bullshit. And I, that's like me, too. Like, I can meet somebody in the first 30 seconds. Like, I don't like that motherfucker. I do. Like, that's it. Like, I, I just know. Like, and if I get a bad feeling, like, it's like a 0.01% chance that I was wrong about it. But because it's, I'm, I'm usually always fucking right with my gut with people just right off the break. D- during your during your lowest moment, it, it, is that moment in the book where you're going through those trials? I don't want to ruin the book for anyone. Um, were those the lowest moments in your life, or had you experienced that in your youth at all? I'd say that was pretty rock bottom for me. Um, yeah, I'd say I'd say that that moment was rock bottom. I mean, being accused of shit you never did was like the worst feeling, and then having to, you know, have the public against you without even having your voice out there was like one of the toughest things I had dealt with. And, uh, I know I've had other rock bottoms where, you know, you know, hitting, hitting lows with drugs and stuff like that. But that was just on a whole nother level. I had felt like I was like the most loved dude in LA to the most hated within 24 hours off of being scammed in a fucking story had nothing to do with. Um, did you ever uh, contemplate suicide? I'd say I thought about it and I was like, when I was at my lowest point, I was like, man, this is what it fucking feels like. I would never, I would have never done it, but I had felt it. Like I was like, fuck, this is what it fucking feels like. This is it right here. Like, this is like where it's at, but I'm just a fighter, man. Like, you know, I, I won't be outworked. You cannot outwork me, man. Like I will figure it the fuck out. Like I will just get back up and figure it out. And that time I had no idea what I was going to do. At that time, at that low point, I didn't even know I was going to write a book. I just had no idea what I was going to do yet. And then, 
I think that disconnect from social media and the media in general, like was the best thing that ever happened to me. I just got to like really focus on like what mattered and what I could do, what was best for myself in that moment, how I was going to put things around. I mean, if I was sitting on social media, there's no way I would have been fucking consumed in all the negativity and the whole world was like fucking falling apart at that time. It was like at the worst, you know, like, and just watching all this at the same time, I wouldn't have been able to do it. So just that like daily meditation, the daily running is what really did it for me, man. Like running those 15, 20 miles per day. I was running like a hundred miles per week for almost a year. And during that running, yeah. And during that running, man, like so many ideas, so much, so many highs, like it was great, man. It was it's literally that thing that that running kept me going. And that's why I still do it, man. Like every time I start to like, I take a day off here or two, and then I'm like, and then I get back out there. And I'm like, nah, this is why I fucking run right here. Like there's just so much growth that comes out of it every time through that voluntary suffering, man. Uh, Caleb, will you bring up the cover of the book again? When you titled this book mask, you refer to the mask a bunch late in the, in the late chapters of the book and, and putting on the mask. Um, will you describe that to us for, for the people who haven't read your book yet? What, the, why you titled this book, the mask or mask? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I had no idea what I was going to title the book. I had all these ideas in my head. And then I, and then I think I, I can't remember what chapter it was in maybe chapter five or six. One of the two I talk about, you know, getting, you know, I talk about getting sober for a little bit and, going through a breakup or whatever and then putting the mask right back on putting all the bullshit back on you know starting to do drugs again starting to come out smile act like i'm having a fucking great time act like i'm getting along with everybody on the outside looking like i was the fucking man but i was just rotting on the inside so that mask just kept coming on and on and on and i'd go home i'd take the mask off be fucking miserable put the mask back on the second i was back out in the dinners and the, and the clubs and the restaurants you know would you have talks with yourself too? Like, okay, Eli, you're going out, put the fucking mask on. Like, would you hear that? Yeah, for sure, like, man. Like yeah. I, I just, it just felt fake, you know, like it just felt like, like every time I would just shake people's hands, I didn't like, or this and that, or people that I know fucked me over. I was just like, fuck, like this shit's getting draining, man. It, it was, it started to hit me. Like when I turned 30, I'm 33 now. It started to hit me when I turned 30, like just wanting to get off drugs, all that stuff. Like not even wanting to be out. Cause I started getting into running maybe in 2018. And then, um, I was getting up early, like even on the days that I was out. So I'd be out sometimes to an after party or club fucked up to like five or six in the morning. Then I'd still get up at eight and then be like, fuck it. I'm going to go run eight miles, you know, or like Damn. whatever it was. Yeah. That's so a neurotic matter. shit. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, people are, I'd go like on a two day fucking bender and everyone's sleeping for like a day and a half after. And they're like, you know, this motherfucker just posts at Equinox. Like he ran 10 miles. Like what the fuck is wrong with this guy? And I was just like, I, I knew I wasn't going to, I, on the outside appearance and the public uh, appearance, I didn't want to fall off. So I was like, fuck it. If I still get up and go grind, it looks like I'm still on my shit, but I was fucking miserable during those runs. Like it was hey, crushing me. That's go an interesting ahead. way to leverage the ego though. That For is sure. how the ego should be leveraged. Yeah, man. It was, uh, I don't know. I, I, I was living like three different lives, man. It was, it was nuts. Mm -hmm. I was fucking just living like three different fucking lives. Like I had the whole daytime the whole nighttime and then i'd barely sleep coming off fucking drugs and alcohol and go straight to the fucking gym and i go to the gym usually i was going to the gym twice a day even back then because it felt like my only escape from this fucking dark ass world that i was living in that everyone thought was so glamorous and that i was just having this great fucking time in but i knew it was like my time just kind of be off my phone turn on some fucking music and zone out and go run and work out and like i was just away from it all nobody could fucking bother me at that time what, what is what's the best drug like for fun to have fun Mm, I like I like anything with voluntary suffering, man. 
So like for me, <laughs> any, any voluntary suffering, man. Like, I thought you were going to say, well, if you can get some pure MDMA and a yeah. couple of really good friends. <laughs> you know, what's funny is, is, I mean, you would have asked me that four years ago. Yeah, I would have fucking told you that. But I no, there's no high compared to like this fucking high with suffering, man. Like I, I've done it all. You know what I'm saying? I've done it from fucking A to Z and like the dopamine hit and this shit just, it stays at last, you know, it's just kind of like the cold plunge. I cold plunge every day too. I hit it up. Uh, I hit it like a six minute cold plunge every day on 39 degrees. And I fucking hate getting in that thing. But every time I get out, I'm like, fuck man, this shit, I'm in some fire. It just feels so good. What do you use for your cold plunge? What tub? Um, it's a company called the cold plunge. Oh, okay. have you heard of them? Have you heard yeah, of them? Yeah. 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 I actually started working with them now and started doing stuff, uh, celebrity seating and stuff like that with them and helping them out. And, uh, yeah, their, their plunge is great, man. It's something Wait, that what I is that? What does that mean? Celebrity seating? You go over to some singer's house, set the tub up and you're like uh, some friend of yours. And you're like, dude, jump in, tell me what you think and make quick. Some yeah, videos. no, or I, I send them plunges or, or I just send out plunges to, you know, you know, I have like a Rolodex of people that I still talk to and that I'm connected with. And, you know, um, sending one out to Diplo right now, sent one out to Nicole Scherzinger. You know, there's just, there's a bunch of people. Um, if, when you, when you turned your phone off during the chaos, you guys got to read this book mask. It's so fun. It is a fun book, by the way. Has anyone ever told you it's a fun book? Um, I haven't heard the word fun, inspiring, you know, motivating. A lot of people. Were it's like, that too, but I'm old, so like I, I, I went through that in my ex almost exactly what you went through in your 30s too. You know, just yeah. to, just with different characters and different scene, but um, uh, but, but it, I guess it, it's kind of like, do you know Sid Hartha? Have you read that book, Sid Hartha by Herman Hesse? I haven't read it. You, I'm going to send you a link to it. You got to read that book. It's basically the story of the Buddha. But he bangs some chick, gets her pregnant, and then has to roll. At least you didn't get anyone pregnant. Did you get anyone pregnant? Not that I know of. What, when you turned your <laughs> phone, when you turned your phone back on, how many text messages were on it? Was it nuts? Well, what's, I'm gonna tell you what happened. So I changed my phone number off the break. So I got a new number, and like I only gave it to like five or six people or something. So what was crazy is I was I still had my Instagram up for like five days before I deactivated, and there was so many DMs of there of like support and people like you're going to get through this and celebrities and people but i never saw it because i didn't go look through it because i didn't know if it was negative i didn't know if it was positive and i wasn't in the right mental state and then the dude that had fucked with me that i talk about in the book i was like fuck i wonder if this dude's gonna like now that he knows my numbers change i wonder if he's gonna try to get my old number and act like it's me and start reaching out to people or whatever so i was like fuck i need to get my old number back i've had that number since i was 17 years old and probably like fifteen thousand people that have that phone number right so, right you wow, know? that would be some fucking conniving shit if that dude. Did I mean, it. he already did a lot of conniving ass shit. So I was like, this motherfucker is probably this is probably right up his alley. He's a smart dude. He knows what the fuck he's doing. So, hey, I know uh, who that guy is, right? I think I figured out who he is. Yeah, I don't want to give him any credit or anything. No, but what here. if it's so crazy to think that he does that that person's like that? That person has too much going on to be mean. It's so if fucking it, crazy. It's yeah. so fucking bizarre. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bizarre, man. But um. Uh, what were we saying? Your phone. So your phone can't. So so you, oh, yeah. you get your phone number back. I got the phone number back like on the last day. So now I have two phone numbers. So I have my old number and I had that number. And it was crazy how many people were texting me like two months after the incident. They had no idea even changed my number. And then a lot of people were like, "Yo, like we couldn't reach out to you. We tried hitting you up. So like we don't know what you're talking about with people. Like you, you were saying that like kind of people turn their backs or whatever. But like a lot of us did try to reach out to you." And I said, no, I said that to the people that I tried to reach out to that never had said anything back to me. 
but I didn't, and then there was a lot of people, man, like a lot of people, they all wrote, I mean, my, like the day that I reactivated my Instagram, I had to stay up for 24 hours straight to even get back to like 50% of the messages. It was, it was awesome. so fucking bizarre. Yeah, it was bizarre. I cried. I don't, I'd never cried of joy. And I cried of joy that day. I was just like, wow, man. Like I, it just felt good. It felt good to just had like, I felt like the whole world was against me. And then everyone was like, fuck that. We're with him. Like we support him, you know? And like, it felt great, man. It was that running video. Did you watch the running video? I did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. It's very cool. Um, when I was, um, when I, it, it, I was 34 when I found CrossFit and I was a pack a day clove smoker, Do you know, those Dijarm cloves, the brown mm. ones, mm. crack, crackle ones. And I was smoking. And then after about three or four months, I was like, Hey, I can't do both. I can't do CrossFit and smoke. Did you have that moment too, ever with running? Like, Hey, I can't, I can't no, do these drugs. I said I can't, but I was. I'd be like, yo, here, I'm going to fucking go through an eight ball fucking blow and fucking still get up or go run still wide awake on this motherfucker just to get my eight or eight to 10 miles in. You know, I was fucking, I was gnarly, man. I don't, I, now when I look back on it, like I didn't even think I was crazy back then. And then after I wrote the book, I was like, fuck, I was fucking bizarre. And I didn't think I had any problems. You know, I'm hanging around the same environment doing the same shit. So they're like, no, nah, you're good, man. Like we all do this shit. You only do it when you're out. And I'm like, motherfucker, I'm out every night. What are you talking about? Like, right. She's like, yeah, you know, so like you're, you're, you're talking to people with the same issues of you trying to get some sort of satisfaction from them or, or, or some sort of agreement that like what you're doing is fine. And nah, man, it, it, it just, it, it was just so bizarre. But yeah, I, I definitely went through times where I'm like, fuck, like I could be like way better at running or way better at this. Fight July. What I would do though, if I had like a marathon was I'd go sober for like three and a half weeks before, like completely. And then after the marathon, I go celebrate it with fucking, you know, alcohol and drugs. So yeah. how did you get, how did you muster that discipline? You didn't go through withdrawals. Did you turn into an asshole? Like after I stopped? Yeah. Like if you're like, okay, I'm going to run a marathon, uh, Los Angeles marathon. I just did not do Coke for three weeks. Um, and then run the marathon. Like, would you just turn into an asshole? Did you smoke? No, I was, did you smoke no, cigarettes? I never, no, I never smoked. Blowing alcohol was probably like the worst for me. Um, no I, nicotine. No nicotine more. It was mainly blow, but like, I wouldn't just do it just to do it. It would be like, you know, if we were out and other people were doing it and if we were out with other important people or some celebrities or this and that. And like, I never wanted to feel like the outcast. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get lit up with them. And then it turned into like an addiction, I would say, you know, at that point. And, and then it just, you know, you know, it's always fun at the start. And then, you know, as you get older and you're like, fuck, five, six years go by and you're still doing this shit. You're like, fuck, what the fuck am I doing? Like, this yeah. is just some straight fucking loser shit. Like, I need to get off of this, you know? So I didn't go through any withdrawals, though. I've been, I, like, with anything in my life, I just, like, my mindset is strong. I'm just like, if I want to commit to something, I'm going to do it. Like, no matter, no, nobody can tell me any different. Like, it's just with anything. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. So even when I stopped drinking and doing drugs almost two years ago now, um, I never like, I can still go around old environments and it doesn't bother me. Like, I just don't, I don't even have like, I just go, Oh, thank God I'm not doing that shit anymore. You know, that's like um, the vibe. Has anyone, that approach, has anyone approached you about making a movie? I'm actually in the talks with a big company right now. We're doing a documentary. And is, is that exciting? Yeah. Or terrifying? So I, I was, I, no, no, I'd, I'd love to do it. And I just, I have so many cool ideas. That was kind of like, uh, 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 like an idea that went through my head when I was writing the book too. I was like, dope, this turns into like a docu-series, a documentary, like this fucking story will change so many lives and it'll, it'll be so dope if, 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 if we just get it done right. And then somebody approached me like a month ago. So we've been in the talks about it. 
What about a series like Mad Men, but instead of it being, um, I've never seen Mad Men. Oh, it's it, it, uh, they are. It's an ad agency, I think, in the fifties, right? And mm-hmm. it just show it's like I don't know seven or eight seasons, and it's really cool. But it would be kind of you could do like just seasons at a club, and you could write that. I mean, shit, you got writing chops, dude. I mean, we could get down. What if you would have started writing it, and someone would have been like the first person who you gave it to? Well, how much did you write before you shared it with someone? What's crazy is I didn't really share it with anybody. I I wrote for four months straight, and I got like four hundred and something pages done. And then um, I shared it maybe with one person once like I'd gotten with an editor and we started kind of grinding on it. And then I gave it to one person. Like a lot of my friends are like, let me read it. Let me read it. And I was like, no, I don't want anybody to read it yet. Like I just want to, like, I, I just want it like more kind of like more towards the ending piece. But, but the editor that had read it, he was just like, yo, did you take any deals? And I was like, no. And he's like, fuck it. I want to work on this with you. You have like a fucking really dope story we just need to construct this better into a book. You know, obviously it's your first time writing. I was like, cool, let's get down on it. And that's just how it went. And when I, I knew his opinion was good because he had worked on a lot of, he had worked on a lot of dope things before. So, um, I kind of just trusted him. And also I let my lawyer read it, you know, when I, when I read it and he was just like, yo, this book's fucking awesome. You know? So that was it. That was enough for me. But I guess if I would have given it, I I wasn't, I wasn't worried that anyone was going to tell me they didn't fucking like it. I got I got a pretty good intuition for everything when I wrote when I reread it like a bunch of times I was like all right this book's fucking solid this is going to change some lives I got a good story to tell. Yeah, it's crazy how much you've done. And what and the the part that I took away from it, you know, some people are obviously going to take the journey and keep your head up and the drug use and about friendship, but the part that I for me the most impactful part was the grind. It, it was is actually the, the first, daily day. The yeah, daily the first discipline. 80 the first eighty yeah. percent of the book of just you you setting goal you setting your mind of wanting to own a club, being a fucking absolute nobody, and uh, and doing it. By the way, you sh- you would you would love this book that Patrick Bed David wrote. It's called um, Your Next Five Moves. That's the your guy I was telling moves. you about the Armenian yep. Assyrian guy. His parent his parents mm-hmm. he es- he he escaped Tehran in. Uh, can you imagine how tall are you? Six two. Oh shit! So you're tall too. I'm Armenian. My my parents are from Lebanon too. I've been back there a bunch of times. I got oh yeah. Uh, my dad's from Lebanon, and um, fuck, I'm five five. And, and Patrick bet David six five. How, what the fuck is going on here? Guys, why playing. don't you guys they're be fuck, like five ten up, huh? and I'll be five ten? Give me a few inches. They're fucking you up, man. <laughs> they got those. Uh, they got those things you can install in the shoes now. Fucking You know, I was. I'm actually thinking about going bare. I was barefoot once for two years. Did you? Were did, you running outside and everything? I just didn't. Just, no, I was. Uh, I I got drunk. I was. I was. I was homeless, and I got drunk at a party, and I left my shoes there. And then I was like sleeping somewhere, and I just never got my shoes back. And so I was just home. I just didn't wear shoes for two years. I was in my twenties, and it was it was amazing. It was way. This is way before the shoeless thing was a big deal. I lived in Santa Barbara on the beach, so it was. But I was actually oh, yeah. thinking, I was like, maybe I'll go a year fuck it i'll just go a year without shoes and just again just not no matter what not wear shoes for a year how'd that go i haven't done it you want to know why i'm not doing it I'm i thought you said you did it for two years oh the two-year part was amazing oh, dude yeah, after yeah. after two years with no shoes you could step on a thumbtack you're, yeah, you're nothing yeah you're yeah, bomb proof yeah. i actually went down to um Cabo San Lucas. I drove in a car to Cabo San Lucas, completely barefoot. And the natives there who were on the beach, they were like, they couldn't walk barefoot because the sand was too hot. And I'm like, nope, 
Not a problem. I did step <laughs> on a puffer fish down there, and that went through uh, my foot and put my whole leg to sleep for about five hours. Scared the shit out of me. So yeah, your your uh, your foot wasn't fully bulletproof. Not fully. Not puffer fish. Not, proof. not, not puffer proof. <laughs> Um, so, so the part of the book that really, uh, that I just inspired me and reminded me is, is like, Hey, don't, don't quit. Like it, it's, yeah. totally, it, it's crazy that you attained what you wanted. And then of course, then just like everything in life, you know, it's all the wisest people say in the world, kind of careful what you wish for. Cause at, you're going to get to the top of the mountain and it's not going to be the way you think it is. And that's, and that's what kind of what happened to you. You got to the top of the mountain. You're like, Oh, there's some rough shit up here. That's why I was saying, you know, it's lonely at the top because there's a lot of truth to it, man. And that's like one of the chapters in the book. But, you know, some people are like, it's lonely at the bottom, too. I'd rather be at the fucking top. But, you know, um, yeah. You, and, it, and it's funny that you just said something about never quitting. I was literally just run, I was running 16 miles, like literally right before we got on here. And like I was fucking today. Tired. You already ran 16 miles today. Yeah, it's just that's just light work for me today. Dang. Yeah, so I was running today and every day is different, you know, some days I just feel good. Some days I don't. And like today I got to like mile 14 and I was like, fuck, today sucks. And then I was like, never quit, motherfucker. Never fucking quit. And like I, and uh, that's just like what I live by. Like I, you know, like as I've said before, like you can, you can be quicker than me. You can be stronger than me. You can be all kinds of things, but you ain't not working me. Like I will fucking go till I fucking die. Like that's just how I operate. Like you ain't being me and you can't defeat a motherfucker that never quit. So it's like, that's just like my mindset with everything I do, whether it's running or something that I commit to or committing to writing the book, whatever it was, like I said, I'm getting this done. I'm doing it. And nobody can tell me any different. Like, that's just how it's going to be. You could try to take me out. You ain't going to outwork me. I can promise you that I'm a fucking grinder. Um, there is a love interest in the book. I can't remember the name you give her. Dakota. Dakota, I apologize. Thank you. Uh, oh yeah, Dakota came uh, in in December of 2014. And yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there's people can kind of figure out, figure out who that is if they do enough, you know, homework on it. But that's it. Um, that was that was a hard part. That that was hard. That was a hard part for me in the book because it's so obvious you liked her, and I think that um, you, is she still in your life? She's not out of my life, but like she's, I hadn't, I hadn't spoken to her in like two years after everything had went down in, in 2020. And then I ran into her at a, a grocery store and we had like a really, a really beautiful conversation for like three hours. She's engaged now. I, I, I'm at, you know, I know I, I love her at a distance now and I'm really happy for her. Like I could go to her wedding. Like that's just kind of where I'm at in my life. She just played, she was just such a catalyst to my growth and I'll always love her for that. You know, like she, was a big reason I made a lot of my changes in my life. And it's hard to say that for, you know, anybody in my life. Yeah. I was rooting for you guys, man. Yeah. Like she, <laughs> like she came, like she, she'd be in the book and then she'd leave and I'd be like, Oh, that sucks. And then she'd come back and be like, yeah. And then she'd leave again. And be like, Oh, and yeah. she'd come back in. I'm like, yeah. And I was like, Oh fuck. I got, I'm like, no one, if you haven't read the book for this part of the podcast, probably didn't give it, but man, that's another, she's a huge part of the story that's weaved through. So you have a guy who's on a career path, who has a goal to be the best. Then you have the, the love, the love, then you have the bad guys. And then you have the fucking big, like, fucking getting nuked towards the end of the book and then you got to overcome <laughs> that and, 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 yeah. and really there's not much there's like you overcome it but it's a little bit of a cliffhanger because mm -hmm. you are so young still right like we're like oh shit he did all this and he's only 30 something or 20 something yeah yeah um 
Yeah, we were like me and her were such like a known. We were like a like a, a known a known, a known couple publicly for so long. So I think anyone that kind of knew my path knew exactly who she was. And I think anyone new coming on, you could kind of figure it out with the fucking internet this, nowadays. I mean, it's not that hard. But uh, yeah, dude, she's. she's I was so disappointed when I figured out who some of the people were. I was like, oh <laughs> man. Yeah. I mean, excited for you because it's fun because it. it, it, it it's it's all a a level a game level 10 people but it's it was so d- depressing to think some of those people are assholes like that yeah i mean you know majority of the people i met out here you know weren't the greatest fucking people but i also met some really fucking amazing people along this journey and uh i don't take back any of it man i don't i don't have any regrets and i don't take back any of it man i just you know i wouldn't be where i'm at today or who i am today without any of those experiences um i went to uh uc santa barbara about 110 miles north of you. Okay. Uh, there's there's a town there called Isla Vista. You may have heard of it. Uh, college town, mm-hmm. right on the beach. And I remember there was this really attractive girl came uh, one summer from, I'm making this up, I forget, Minnesota. And she hung out there for like three months. And then she, I remember what she goes, hey, I'm going back home. And I go, oh, how come? And she goes, because in my town, I'm the hottest fucking chick. And here, I'm like a fucking seven. I'm like, oh, fuck. We just saw a meme the other day about that. It's like when you're uh, when you're a ten in your hometown, but a five or six in Miami or LA, and I was fucking dying. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, in that regard, to throw LA a huge bone, you're jumping. You people are are knowingly jumping in the pond with all the level tens, whatever the metric is. You, you know. Perfect eyebrows. I mean, you pick the whatever the fuck. Yeah, that's all perspective, is. right? Right, no. right. Um, and so you can't regret. I mean, anytime. I mean, it's the NFL of um of that scene, whatever that scene is. There is no, there is nowhere higher. They're, they're like some people might want to say New York or or Miami, but I don't think so. I've been to all those. LA is a pinnacle. Yeah, of, of whatever game is going on there, those motherfuckers are like all the. Those are the pros. Oh yeah, LA's for sure the pinnacle, man. I feel like I feel like LA is one of the toughest cities to make it in, and you gotta fucking just, you just gotta have just a strong backbone, man. Like you cannot take shit from people. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. It's not me. No, no. I'm going up, up here in Santa Cruz, isolated between the mountains and the ocean, being a pussy. I am not made for that shit. Um, but but it's crazy that it, um, and so it's you're you are kind of the manager of the fish tank. So all the sharks swam in the fish tank and you were like the manager of the fish tank. And then you kind of like fell into the fish tank and swam with the sharks a little bit. Yeah. That mask, <laughs> that, that mask. I put on the teeth and the fucking the grit and I fucking got in that bitch. I put on the fins Then I get home, I take the fins off, I take the teeth out and then, you know, it's back to it again. It's a fucking, it's a doggy dog world out here, man. And there's no room what, for emotions. Would would someone? Oh yeah, that would kill me. Um, would would do, do would someone come in who is famous? Let's say, see you at the door, and then instead of like partying, just talk to you all night. Mm, I'm trying to like get a sense of like, you know what I mean. Let's say, um, uh, so let's just um, uh, I'll make up something just completely ridiculous. Who's the horror, uh, um, horror story uh, guy? Um. Shit, he wrote the book on writing. Who's the guy who writes horror books? The famous guy who lives on the East Coast. 
Okay, let me sure. make it someone else. Um, Tom Selleck walks into the club, and he says, okay. "Hey, what's up? Uh, can I get a table?" And you're like, "Tom, what's up? I loved your fucking most recent movie." Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stephen King. Yeah, yeah. Let's say Stephen okay, King. Stephen walks King. In. He, he comes in in his wheelchair, and you're like, "Stephen, I read all your shit. What's up, dude?" And then next thing you know, you're at the you're hanging with them, and fucking five hours pass by, and you can't even do your job because he's fucking talking to you, and you and you're just hanging. Oh with yeah, him. there's definitely been times like that. I mean, some of the times though, like it depends on what the who the celebrity is, or you know who the person is. Some right. of them, like some they're so big, super- you can't be like, "Hey, motherfucker, just go drink and stand in the corner. Leave me alone." Yeah, but I think like when you also have like a like a title there too. Okay, cool. Eli's one of the partners here. Boom, boom, boom. Then we start shooting the shit, and then we get along. Then we switch numbers, and that's kind of how like a lot of the relationship started with a lot of the people. And then some of them, they're either fucked up or don't want to talk or fucking going through something or running away for something, and they're just fucking dicks, and they're in the fucking corner, and they're just sitting there, and they don't even talk to. You. I wasn't like if anybody was rude to me for the most part, I'd be like fucking. I ain't taking care of them. Like someone else can, I'm good. Like I, I just don't got time for none of that shit. And a lot of, a lot of that, like a lot of, some of my relationships with some really big people started out like that. And they respected me because I didn't like just get down on my fucking knees and do what they asked. I was like, fuck this dude. Like I was like, I ain't doing shit for him. You know, like there's no, there's no way. And then they would come around and be like, yo, I've never had anybody like, like not bow down to me. So like, I respect you for that blah, blah, blah. And then that's how some of those, you know, relationships mended down the road. Like, so, so like someone like, um, P Diddy might walk in, he's got three bouncers and the whole, and you're like, Hey, what's up, brother? How are you doing? You need a table. And maybe he's got his back to you the whole fucking time and won't, and won't even turn around and face you. Uh-huh. Uh, I mean, I and guess like, look, like that kind of shit. No, I mean in LA, like most of the, I would say 99.9% of the time, no celebrities just walking up. They know somebody before they're coming. So it's rare for that to happen. Maybe back in the day, sometimes they'd be like, oh shit, like so-and-so just like pulled up to the door. I'm like, who booked them or who brought them in? Nobody. He just walked up and then boom, then then you go talk to them. And then they're usually nice because they don't know anybody there and they get to know us. Like Bill Murray Murray walks up. Did you ever have Bill Murray come in the club? I don't think we had Bill Murray come to the club. Oh, that would have been crazy. Yeah. I'm yeah. old. I'm old. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I'm yeah, old. Yeah, no, I'm old. I, we've had a lot, a lot of fucking, <laughs> a lot of fucking characters for sure. But, uh, it's funny. Cause when I got into nightlife, it was like, that was my goal. Right. I was like, fuck it. Cause when I was younger, I was like, wanted to be looked up to. I wanted to be, I didn't know how I wanted to be in service for others, but I wanted, I wanted to be like a motivation or inspiration when I was younger as well too. And I was like, fuck it. If I could just be the man at the nightclub, everyone's going to have to go through me. I'm, all the celebrities are going there. All the actors are going there. All the models are going there. This will be the easiest way to fucking connect with everybody. And it worked. It's what had happened. I wouldn't say today, today, in today's time, it's the same anymore. Now it's like, you know, most of these girls to go meet dudes or vice versa or whatever. Like it's just a DM. Like, you know, we don't, you don't got to do all this nightclub shit and buying bottles and all this and that still going on, but not to the extent from before. You know what I'm saying? Like you can see somebody's whole life on social media now. So it's not like you have to just go out there and hope to like run into like a big celebrity or something like that. I mean, you see what people are doing every damn day. I, I had, I have this friend. Um, she's really, she, I, I, she's fucking really cool. Insanely charming. And she used to work at a place there called the whiskey. I guess that's a famous mm. place in Los Angeles. And bar, I, yeah. I, and as the more I got to know her, the people around me started let, telling me that she was a star fucker. That's what they would refer to her as behind her back. And then the more I knew her, she, I started like, you know, after I knew her for like five or six years, I started hearing crazy fucking stories, crazy fucking stories. Um, I, I guess that's that, 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 that there's girls like that. Just 
and she's cool as shit too. Do you know what I mean? There's nothing like, I don't know. I mean, she's, she's hot as fuck too, but not just like pretty, like looking like there's something about her, you know? Yeah. You know, I know girls like that. There's some girls that are really fucking dope and they're just like star fuckers. Like you said, like, just like they, this, that's what they want to, they, I don't know what it is inside them. They just can't not be around it. I've been around it for so long that it's like nothing new to me. And then there's like, I'd be like, man, this girl is so dope. She's so cool. But, uh, this part about it, like, why, like, why is she like this? Like with this, you know? And then that gets around quick, you know, because they start hopping here and there and back and forth. And, you know, the city, this, this fucking city talks. You can't fucking not keep a secret in this fucking city. It, it is gossip. Gossip city. That's for sure. And if you have just a young, bunch of young, beautiful people together, it kind of reminds me of CrossFit. If you just have a young bunch of beautiful people together, people are going to fuck. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah, that's just the sprinkle way it some goes. Coke on, sprinkle some Coke on them. Oh, my start. God. Both start falling off. <laughs> My God. Yeah, it's a gnarly town, man. Is there a party you went to that's the best party you ever went to? Like, holy shit. Like, like, like that was just absolutely. I mean, it's so hard to say that. This this one party I threw with, with, with one of the guys in the book I told you about during Halloween in Bel Air. I mean, was, when you attended, not that one you threw sounded crazy. Like, yeah, it was fucking bizarre. Like, it was that's a dope like the party. Best painting you ever painted, right? Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. When you were in, I'm talking about like, like. It's so hard to like it, it, just to give you an answer on that because like I'm just trying to like think back, but there's just so many of them. I mean, dude, I was out every night. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I'm, like dope yeah. things every night. And to me, it was normal, right? Like if I wasn't out somewhere, I wasn't at a party or a dinner or a club. Like I was like, yo, what's wrong? Like why isn't there anything going on tonight? You know? There's like. You know, for me to say like it was a really good night, like it had to be like a fucking really good fucking night, like for me to say it because what impressed me, I didn't, I wasn't really impressed by much. So, um, yeah, it just it was it was tough for me to say it was a good party. A good party to me meant like you know the vibes were good, um, you know the crowd, uh, uh, the, 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 you know the guests that were there were good. It, it always came down to like if I knew a lot of the people there as well, you know. So like. It's just tough to, to say, but that party that we threw was one of my fucking favorite parties. That party was fucking, it was dope. That was a dope night. It's also kind of hard to say too, because Oh man, I don't know if I can say this with my sister and my mom listening. <laughs> Do you remember the first time you took a girl's bra off? Yeah. It's really hard to top that moment in life. <laughs> it's like no matter how I many mean, threesomes, foursomes, no matter all the crazy shit you ever done, th that's a pretty, pretty crazy time because you know in a few seconds you're going to touch boobs for the first time in your life. You're like, what the fuck is going on? Right? I mean, I no, nah, I get for you, maybe for you, but I mean, fuck, oh. I had a lot of fucking great nights. So, like, it was, like, <laughs> like, was I would think there would be like a lot of nights I couldn't get topped. And I'm like, yeah, that night was fire, you know, like I'm just crazy. talking about relativity compared to well, I, I don't know. Also about Coke, too. People always would say to me the first I didn't do a lot of Coke. I probably done Coke as much in one day that or in my whole life that you've done in one day. I probably done Coke like 10 or 20 times in my life, but it never got people would be like the first time is your best. I thought every time was fucking no, every ten, time. I, yeah, every time was different, too. Sometimes you got fucking really good shit. Sometimes you didn't. Depends who you're partying with. Depends who you're hanging out with. Yeah. Depends on the conversation. I mean, 
dude, that's, I mean, I had just as many bad nights as good, you know? So like, and it, it's, it's all a temporary high. Like, I mean, but fuck, I used to go so hard, bro. Like, you know, and you're staying up for a fucking day. Like, it's just that that's like a whole fucking, that's like a whole, that's a whole ultra in itself. Yeah. That's a whole nother kind of ultra marathon. Like, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just gnarly. I don't miss it, man. I don't miss it at all. Like, I, I just want to hear all the sex stories. Yeah. I could probably write a book on like each week of the parties and shit that we had. Oh, on please. Each, on each, on each week, I could write a new fucking book. Because when you hang out with a, a group that does, that's like, like like it wouldn't be uncommon for you let me just paint the scene for you you're in your bedroom sleeping some people passed out on your couch you wake up in the morning to get something to eat and they're fucking on the couch and you don't even bad an eye you're just like oh yep there's two of my friends fucking on the couch oh no i seen wayne harlier shit than yeah that's what i mean you don't even like no (laughs) excuse me you make your coffee they're still sitting there fucking. i got i wake up i got a fucking ufc champ in the middle of the fucking floor doing push-ups doing a line with three girls on his fucking back or like, you know, <laughs> like that was like a regular fucking wake up, you know? So like, it was like, it was shit like that, man. I mean, there was just so much fucking gnarly shit going on. It's funny, man. Just look back on it. It's just so gnarly though. So fucking bizarre. Do you have any goals right now? Like that are, are, are tantamount to the goal to be own your own nightclub in LA? Um, I just like right now, just being in service, man, and, and just being able to do what I love and being in service for others. And, you know, I got a few projects in the work that I haven't really talked about with anybody that I'm excited to get going up here in the next few weeks. And uh, whatever happens, happens. I'm on that nomad life right now, man. That's just kind of like whatever, whatever flows and comes my way is what's going to happen. And I, uh, I would say like, as in like the, having that goal of owning a nightclub, like that same that same feeling for right now is just like, just continue to stay happy and, and, uh, and do the things that I love. And like I said, just be in service for others and just continue down that path. There's a lady named uh, Miranda Alcarez and her husband, Julian Alcarez, and they own a company called street parking, a hugely fucking successful company, fucking killing it. And I had her on the show and I was like, it's so weird. People have goals and and they and they achieve them and they're successful but i've never had goals and she basically explained to me or i saw it on her instagram i can't remember exactly but um do you have discipline passion and good habits and i was like oh yeah i do have crazy discipline i have crazy one of my habits is always to refine my habits and i'm crazy passionate and so maybe that's where you're at in your life before I feel you like i goal- wake up yeah go ahead no no you go ahead I feel like I wake up every day with goals and I feel like there's no finish line, right? Like I wake up and I'm like, all right, cool. I got to get this done. Um, I got to work on this project. I have to run 20 miles. I have to do this. I have to do that. It's like, there's a daily goal every single day that I'm doing. But I think with this discipline that I've built and these daily goals that I'm doing, it's building up into something bigger. That's going to be coming along the way. Um, and do you have, would you refer, what about this word habits? Does this resonate with you? Mm. When I think of habits, I think of like toxic like I think okay. of like bad, like I think of like yeah <laughs> like when habits. I yeah like I think of bad uh, habits right like I don't think of like I don't think of good habits and I think of like of like daily ru- I, I think I don't think of the word habits I think of like daily discipline and daily routine that's like the okay. word that comes to my mind you know and I think like just ha- I, like it's like the discipline that I have with my running it just reflects with anything that I do in life it doesn't matter what it is it's just like it's the same discipline that I built with what I do every day and it, and it just reflects with just anything that I'm doing in my life. It's just the same thing. 
And that's why like, I feel like if people can build like that daily discipline and the daily habits in their life, which majority of people cannot do, they would be successful with everything else that they're trying to do in their life, or at least have some sort of consistency. I had this guy on the other day, Michael Easter, and he was basically talking about, that's why you need to have boredom in your life. Don't fill your life with Netflix and the phone. Let your life, um, some boredom creep in and some stillness so that you can pick up some like new habits, some, some new, mm. some new, some new levels of discipline. Yeah, I agree. Um, when you say that you, you said you were into service, what does that mean? Are you picking up trash on the beach or, or fucking <laughs> ugly, banging ugly chicks? What are you doing? Um, you know, being of service to me is to be able to like give back to, you know, community and in ways of like, I'm able to do things that I, that, that I love to do and still be able to inspire and motivate other people and give them hope that, you know, that they can come back from anything that they can, they can pick themselves up and just, and just keep pushing. And I think like, um, writing my story just is, is one of the biggest, the biggest tools of that and being able to share my story with other people and just give them hope. Because man, people are just going through so much shit every day, man. Like we just, people don't talk about it. Like every day I, I get so many DMs a day of like people thanking me just for the things that I post and thanking me for writing my story. And just like, that's what feels fucking good to me. That's like what warms my heart, man. Like that's where I'm like, fuck, like I'm doing good for society. I'm doing good. Like in before, like I felt like I was in service of taking care of people and hosting people and getting them a drink. And like, I don't just, that's just there's just nothing cool to me about any of that shit anymore. Does any part of you regret making yourself so vulnerable through this book? No. Yeah, not at all. Was scary I, at all? No, I think like, I think so many people have so many skeletons in the closet and they're so scared of like fucking anything coming out about them and stuff now. And like after going through the whole cancel culture thing and then being able to put like, my entire life into this fucking book of like all my flaws and anything negative that I went through. Like, I don't give a fuck what anybody thinks about me anymore, man. Like I just do not give a fuck. And I feel like everybody else that's holding all these things in or haven't opened up about certain things. Like they're fucking scared. They wake up every fucking day, just waiting in line to get canceled or waiting in line for this. I don't give a fuck. I'll say whatever the fuck I want. Now. I do not care anymore. I think it was like, it was just like the biggest, like just weight off my chest after I put the book out. I thought about what you, what you just said, like the day before the book went out, I was like, fuck, my whole story is going to be out there for the fucking world. And then I just smiled and laughed. I'm like, good. Just got on the track. <laughs> and started, I started running, started running. Yeah. That's how I felt, man. I was like, fucking great. Let's fucking go. Let's get this shit moving. Yeah. Um, do you have a, do you, and yeah, and yeah, um, I had a New York times article, uh, nice paragraph, uh, fucking me in the ass. And, yeah. um, and it was awesome. It was, after a few days, it was awesome. Well, after about six months, it was, I'm, I can't, I can happier than I've ever been. I can't, well, I'm not happy. Yeah. It's pretty damn good. It's like a relief. Pretty, it's pretty damn good. Yes. Um, especially when none of it was true. Like, yep. like you were saying, well, mine didn't really say anything. Yours, they, 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 mine, they just tried to leave the shit ambiguous, but, um, my, yeah, mine, they were accusing me of doing shit that I never did. It's just like, they made, made up their own story. It was just crazy. They made up their own timeline. And no matter, it just doesn't matter what you tell anybody, you know, like if they've already got their own perception of you and that's what they want to believe about you, it doesn't matter what you tell them. And they're, they've already, they've already decided how they want to see you. Like, it doesn't matter. You know, that's just how people think nowadays. Yeah. That, that person, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what Instagram account that is, but you also reference an Instagram account that stirs the pot. And I wanted to mm -hmm. punch that dude in the face. 
Yeah, he's been doing this shit for fucking years to people. He ran a really big website that just fucking just tore fucking people apart. Like I could just send you in and be like, yo, this guy's a piece of shit, cheats on his fucking wife. He has fucking herpes and AIDS and blah, blah, blah. And then this guy posts it and then he'll comment underneath it and be like, yeah, I know him. He's never given me any sexual diseases, but good luck. And then anybody could go comment underneath it with whatever names they want. I mean, dude, there was like girls suicidal over his post. There's people killing themselves. I mean, they're just fucked up shit going on, man. Have you run into any of these people in your book since you've written the book? Or has anyone apologized sure. to you? Um, yeah, that dude, that dude's told me like a couple of times, like, I feel bad for, I feel bad for what I did, you know, and this and that. I just like, you know, old me would have been like, fuck this dude, fuck this motherfucker. And I'm just like, you know, wish you the best dog. I'm in a yeah. good place in my life. Like, I just don't care. And honestly, like this whole thing that happened to me is like a blessing in disguise. Of course. You know, like I, I just like, I definitely still would have been running in the nightclub scene. I still would have been fucking doing drugs. Like, you know, I needed something like this to happen to me. You know, it's unfortunate, but you know, I, I'm the type of person that needs to hit rock bottom to fucking make change. That's just hey, how I offer you said something too that as a kid you wanted to be the guy you wanted people like to look up to you mm. but the thing is is that y- you're getting that now because no one looks up to anyone who hasn't been through hardship no one For sure. no, no, no one looks up to any like if you haven't been through hardship no one really looks up to you mm-hmm. i mean you, you may think they do but they don't and now yeah, people like are really yeah. looking up to you. They're like, "Holy fuck!" He 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 went in. Well, you, it's it's in the title of your book. What is it? You went through the belly of the beast. Yeah, the belly of Hollywood. Yeah, you know, and it's but you know, I was listening to what Joe Jorgen sits on his podcast the other day. He's like, you know, I love a success story, but you know what I fucking like even more was I like someone that gets everything taken away from him, and he figures figures out how the fuck to come back from that. I love a fucking comeback story, and so do I. And I think most people do. They like a comeback story, and like because it takes fucking a lot and a lot of fucking guts to fucking come back when you're fucking just all the way in fucking rock bond. Most people can't do it. Most people are just, they get stuck or they go backwards, you know? I wonder if Hammer is going to come out with a new album. Who? MC Hammer. (laughs) (laughs) My Hammer? Wait a minute. (laughs) Um, Any part of you miss that lifestyle or, I mean, do you, do you have a love hate with LA? Like, is, is any party like shit? I mean, look, I'm working on Austin. I'm working on a no, I'm working on a you know, I just went to Austin actually to go visit uh, Aubrey Marcus actually. And, and oh, yeah, and I saw that. What's he like? Is he a buddy of yours? Yeah, he's great. I've known his wife for 10 years. So, okay. like, I, yeah, she used to be in the she used to kind of be in the scene as well. And um, she kind of connected us. And he's a great guy, man. I had a great fucking weekend. It was a beautiful weekend out there. And, uh, yeah, I was, that was in that was my first time in Austin actually, and uh, yeah. So I don't, you know, what's funny is like when I was driving, I was talking to one of my one of my girlfriends out there that was there, and I was like, yeah, when I'm driving in Austin, I'm like, eh, but I'm like, when I'm with the people there and the community, I'm like, yeah, but in LA, I'm when I'm driving out here, I'm like, yeah, but when I'm with the community out here, I'm like, eh, you know. So like, and we just started laughing about it because. Look, there's a lot of great people in LA. I don't ever knock on LA. I fucking love LA. I made it in LA, but you know, you got to really find, you got to figure out how to like, just take yourself out of that fucking bubble that everyone gets stuck in. And I was in it. I got trapped in it for a long time. And, um, you know, I'm working on a project out here right now in LA and, you know, I, 
still have so many connections and, and, you know, know so many people out here and there's still a lot of great people out here. So, um, do I feel called to leave LA right now? Not yet. Um, I, I felt called to go to like Indonesia. I wanted to, I wanted to move to Bali for the longest time. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Bali is, it feels like home to me out there, man. It's just not yet though. Like, I feel like I need to be more in this like retirement phase in my life to, to be out there, you know? Um, there was an intervention in the book, right? Yeah, with my mom and dad. Did, did that feel um, – I, I had a friend whose family did an intervention on him, and I was thinking, holy shit, if my family ever did an intervention on me, I would feel like a trust betrayal. Well, dude, it wasn't even – I mean I showed up to my dad's – I showed up on Father's Day out of fucking blow out of my fucking head from the night before, and it just kind of happened there. But they were super cool about it, man. They weren't like, you need to quit or you need to do this. or like, yo, like, like what can we do to help? Like, you know what I'm saying? And at that time, like, I don't think I have a problem. You know what I'm right, saying? So right. it's just, it literally. You cry like when they do that. Are you crying? Um, like you- I, I don't, I don't recall crying that day. I think like, I remember my ex came over. She was crying for sure. I mean, she thought I was going to fucking kill myself. So, I mean, which I just put her through a lot, you know? And like that time I couldn't see what I was doing. So, this is Dakota um, in the book. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, that was a. Uh, <laughs> It was a roller coaster. You know, it's funny. Every time I see her, I would just be like, fuck, I'm just sorry for everything I put you through. I never lied or cheated on her or anything like that. It was just like things that I couldn't, I was not doing intentionally, but was just hurting somebody. And I couldn't see it at that time. But she always thanks me for it because she's like, fuck, I would have gotten walked all over in this fucking city if it wasn't for what we went through. So thank you for all that. So, but I, yeah. She didn't do coke? No, she like, she like partied very minimally at the start of our relationship like but it was just to like just so that she could hang out with me in a sense it was like she never liked it you know and uh she tried she was just trying to get me off of everything for like forever you know for the longest time but you know i couldn't see it at that time i was climbing climbing the ladder and at that time that's what seemed like it made the most sense to me Um, hey um did you have a uh, i i used to hang with these chicks um this group of girls and they all had little kits they had kids? Out, kits like it was kids. they were altoid containers and they had a credit card in them and a razor blade and straws do you know you know what I'm did my you god ever, did you ever have it? It, it was meth meth it was when i was in college meth rolled into town and what was interesting is i did meth with them for like probably like a month or two and yeah. then it sucked because i really liked this girl but then i was like this isn't fucking sustainable and I and I stopped hanging with them. Like I mean, I've seen a lot, a lot of crazy shit. Did you have a kit? Did you have your own little? No, I didn't carry a fucking Altoid. No, I didn't no. Did, did people kit. have kits? Was there a well? We I don't know. Fucking. Kit. Did you I mean, maybe like the, Gucci the, dr- the drug dealers would come out with fucking kits and shit. But like, I don't know about like the fucking. I never saw girls rolling around with a fucking Altoids can with fucking razors and needles and shit inside them. Not That's needles, fine. but you didn't have like a Louis Vuitton kit, like the Louis Vuitton. No, those are the, those are all. I swear, those are like all the drug dealer dudes that had like the fucking the satchel. They always were like yeah. the, the side satchel with all their shit in it. Yeah, nah, I didn't have all that. Shit. So, so you if if you got if you got um coke, you got would just you would get it in a bag. Yeah, or vial. And you just break it in with a credit card, though, just in your in your. No, wallet. I tell the motherfuckers they need to fucking that shit better be fucking fine powder before it fucking hits my pocket. Yeah, that's I fucking because they used to that's fucking bring stuff. in the rocks and shit, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, that fucking a whole a whole rock in my nostril just sitting up there, and I'm just like, bruh. And, and then and, and then you would just roll a bill and snort it. 
You didn't, or you yeah, cut up a straw? straw? Yeah, straw usually. Fucking just start out the straw. Yeah, those aren't those, those days are done. My or friend. a pen? Or a pen? Did you ever use a pen? I never did the pen, but I have been at people's places when they had the pen. The pen was yeah, funny the, to me. You had to do the pen. So many funny nights. Oh and then you get fuck you you guys ball, but then you'd get like desperate and shit, and like you crack the pen open and lick the inside of it, or cut open the straw and lick the inside of it. <laughs> when you're running, when you're running low, and you're like, "Fuck, no one's answering." Like, what what scraps do we have left over? <laughs> at, at least with weed, you have a chance. With weed, you can pull the couch out and like look for nugs. Yeah. With coke, you're kind of fucked. <laughs> it's like you're not finding shit in the carpet. <laughs> yeah that chase is crazy on there man you just don't ever want it to end it's just like that's why i said just because like, i would just go so hard for like one day because i'd be like all right cool let's just go hard for one day and like let's just take off for a whole week it wasn't like i, I couldn't just do like one bump or two bumps like if i was committing to one bump that's it i'm fucking staying up like we're fucking i'm going in you know right I'm just fucking doing one bumps two bumps staying up but yeah man those days those days are done they give me like anxiety i'm just like ugh I'm just like, fuck. Yeah, the the thought of doing drugs at 49 scares the shit out of me. Like, my fucking ticker would pop. I don't want to hear. Yeah. Like, I didn't care if I heard my heart at 22. At 49, if I hear my heart, it's like something's not right. Yeah, I mean, and if I that mean, someone's age, knocking on the door inside of me. Uh, excuse me. And at that age, you're just like, no, you're, you, you feel invincible. Like, nothing's going to fucking happen to you. You're yeah. just like, I had one or two times where I was like, fuck. I think I might fucking OD. I need to chill the fuck out. And that, that, that fucking like, it was like fucking one or two times, but I used to just be so, I used to just go hard, man. It was just, I was just fucking, and it was just me. Like it had nothing to do with anybody else. I was just fucking, I would just go hard by myself sometimes. I was fucking out of my mind, but yeah, you can run you know, 16 miles and it's no big deal. Imagine all the, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, I think there's one time I, I think the longest I had ever stayed up for, I don't even think I've ever said this, but I think it was like six days. Wow! Like fucking six day bender. Yeah, it was fucking gnarly. Went to Vegas, went to the went to the club, went to fucking Vegas for a few days. Came back, still stayed up. I it was fucking bizarre. I went. I remember it was. Uh, we went on a fucking jet with a big DJ, and I was just fucking out of my fucking head. I had no idea how the fuck I just stayed up. I was doing Molly Blow, all kinds of shit, man. I just fucking powered it. I never. I mean, there's people I knew stayed up for like fucking 10, 12 days. There's people fucking just. I don't know how the fuck. I honestly, man, if I was still doing drugs, man, I think I would have already OD'd by now. I was fucking just boss to the wall. But how how trippy is it? Sometimes you would get so fucking drunk that you could barely stand, and then you do a line and you're sober. Fucking good. You know, it's weird. I never even used to like. I used to drink after I did blow. Like I didn't like. I didn't love. I didn't love drinking. Like, and everyone was like, "Why?" Like we used to just do it to like not feel drunk, and then I would do it to like if I got too fucked up on the blow, the alcohol would kind of numb the blow. So it would oh. just fucking like kind of chill me down. If I was getting too like fucking sketchy or fucking too, I've just done too much, you know? Yeah. I would just fucking, yeah, I would, I was just a lot. I would grab like a fucking bottle of fucking like Jack Daniels and the fucking blow. And that's it. Back to back. I wouldn't even drink water for like a fucking day. I don't know. I, I mean, I was fucking gnarly, whatever. Those days are done. Now we just reflect all that onto the fucking treadmill or the trails and we yes. just go fucking run for days. What do you think about an air runner? What do you think about a runner, the, the kind that don't, like, I just got one of those. You know, not, what do you mean not, air runner? It's, it's, uh, will you show uh, Caleb what that is? Um, basically, it's a, it's a treadmill, but it's not powered. I power it. 
and it's kind of, it's kind of oh, it's not like an, is it assault it's an assault right yeah it's an assault yep that, that's yeah. exactly the, the what's yep. funny is i don't i've never ran on one of those but i have a, i have an assault bike we'll have one like it it's a schwinn bike and i fucking i go pretty fucking gnarly on those things i didn't realize those things are three grand I thought they were like a thousand bucks i have a I, I think mine was even more i got like a gnarly one from, but from that company do they make a gnarlier one than that caleb Oh no! I think that's that the one. No, they have a bike too, and I have a I have a bike. It's it's a Schwinn. It's a, it's just like it, but it's a Schwinn bike, and it's funny because I have the bike too that that company makes. I have them side by side. I, like I, I sit on that thing for like a fucking hour and a half, two hours straight on that bike, and I'll burn like eighteen hundred, seventeen hundred calories. Yeah, that's nuts. Yeah, I like, and it's funny. I was I was doing it, and I was talking all this shit, and then I saw Goggins come on one of his videos talking shit about how he sits on the assault bike. He literally did the same. We were doing the same fucking workout. And I was talking shit to one of my friends. I was like, maybe if you put me and him up against each other, we're probably one of We're both going to one of us dies, but I am fucking giving up on this fucking bike. I can sit on this bitch forever. I'll sit on this bitch forever. And that, that bike's gnarly. Like, I mean, because you, you're fourth, you control how many calories you're burning. You're controlling the face, just like, just like the, the, the treadmill. So, and then I was telling people don't understand how hard this shit is that we're doing. And then, they go try and run two fucking miles and they're like, what the fuck? Like, how the fuck is this guy running 60 miles or how the fuck is this guy running 20 miles a day? Like they don't understand the grind that goes in it. And it's funny because when I'm not running and I see like my other ultra buddies and stuff running, I don't really process it either until I start running again. And I'm like, fuck this shit's brutal. You know, it's, it's fucking brutal, man. Um, there's a guy I know, um, Brian Shantosh. Have you ever heard that name? No, I don't think so. He uh, uh, did he win the Navy Cross, Caleb? He, he does CrossFit him. stuff, huh? He's a CrossFitter, but he won the Navy Cross for some crazy shit he fucking did. There's a two hour special. I wouldn't say he won it, but he <laughs> received it. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Caleb's in the Air Force. He always has to unfuck me when I say dumb yeah, shit. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he <laughs> he won the in Navy here. Cross. He Caleb, you got to jump in faster than that. You can't let me say that. As soon as you hear me say Navy Cross, you got to just jump in and start talking. Let me fucking stick my own dick in my mouth. Okay, so this guy gets honored with the Navy Cross. Anyway, I think recently he did some shit where he ran he he put one of those assault runners in a a box, like one of those um, boxes that's like on the back of a truck, you know. Uh-huh. And 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 he ran in the dark. Uh-huh. I want to say for forty five minutes on, fifteen minutes off for twenty four hours. Is that true, Caleb? Am I making that up, or is that true? Yes. That is true. Hold on. Let me bring you back. There you are. Yeah. That is he, true. He put himself in a shipping container and like no music, no, I mean, just snacks. And then he ran, he it was like him and a, it was a challenge with him and a couple other guys. And they just ran in a shipping container, completely blacked out for 24 hours. The sea would last the longest. And I think only, it looks like four of them did it. And I think only like two of them finished it or something. There's just like, I don't know what the point is. They're running there's in the dark. so much crazy shit. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it was, it's all just, yeah, these nutballs. It was like sensory deprivation as much as they could just to see how long they could do it. Yeah, his 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 wife has been in charge of uh, all she's the head of training for CrossFit for 15 years, Nicole Carroll. She's a fucking freak of nature too. They're just they're just every time like they just you think you're doing something crazy and there's just some fucking fucker just doing some gnarly shit. It just never ends. Um, what about that are, are, are all those people in that community running from something like managing some sort of pathology some are running like towards some are like running from like i <laughs> i like that <laughs> you know you know i feel like 
Some are running it's from just, the light. Some are running towards it. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think when I got into run, running, I'm for sure running from something. And now I feel like I'm running towards something. And I think it always just, it just depends what you're dealing with. But most of the people I met in the community, like they were either addicts or some, some sort of like, you know, some sort of fucking manic person, you know, that just like they, they all kind of have, like, we all kind of have the same mentality. You know, one of my buddies, his name's Hector. He fucking does gnarly ultras he he's not like a super fast runner but he'll stay out there for fucking days and days he's done like the craziest 200 250 mile races all of them he does them on he just like normal dude sober family guy not fucking no ex-addict or nothing and he just he knows how to grind he just stays out there for fucking days and just runs i made this movie called desert runners uh-huh. and, I, and i and i followed um uh have you ever heard of that race it's called the four deserts I think I have. I'm yeah. grabbing water. Keep going. I can hear you. Yeah. And um, can you pull that movie up, Caleb? But base, basically, it was crazy. They had to carry. So basically, it took them a year to do it. They did it two weeks every quarter for a year. And they went to the four gnarliest deserts. We went to Antarctica. We went oh, you went to, with them. Um, say that again? You went with them. Yeah, I went with them. And I, and I made that. this. I, I've definitely seen this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, so basically I was hired to co-direct and film this. And then I basically filmed 95% of everything you see in the film. And then at about halfway through uh, about 10% of the way through the editing, um, they didn't think I was pulling my weight, which they probably were right. And they just gave me a huge chunk of cash and pulled the director credit off. But I did film the whole thing. And, and I, and I would say that I produced and directed the, uh, uh at least 50% of it during the actual shooting. Um, but Jennifer Steinman finished the film and it, it was trippy. These aren't like even like these aren't pro runners either. These are like hobbyists. Uh th- that's not true. There's a handful of people who are the pros. But fuck man, this shit was gnarly. Yeah, I shit fucking how how many miles was the whole thing? I can't remember. I can't remember. Let let's say it was uh each race was 110 miles or something. But but they had to carry all their belongings yeah, they needed yeah, yeah, to yeah. stay alive during that time, except for water. There was water provided, but they had to carry all their other shit, and it was like fuck, it was nuts. That's what I'm saying. They're just like so like every week. There's just some fucking gnarly shit going on, and like it's just it just never ending. And it's crazy because like I don't understand why ESPN and like a lot of these big these big companies don't broadcast any of this shit. I think this shit's way cooler than half the shit they're fucking broadcasting. Well, yeah. Well, now they got men competing in women's sports. Oh, man. I don't even get me started with all that <laughs> shit. Man. I want to see some of that shit. We are living in a fucking delusional world, my friend. Hey, dude, how about how about that? Um, How about that? Our president nominated this lady because she was black and a woman. And then they asked her, what's a woman? And she said she couldn't answer. She ain't a biologist. <laughs> oh my god, the memes well, right now are should, so funny. Maybe you should ask your boss. That's why he picked you. I'm just, oh my, I he mean, picked bro, you because your vagina. Eventually, this thing's gonna have to fucking come to an end. Eventually, man, this shit's so crazy. Um, the Chicago Marathon in two fifty seven. Oh yeah, that wasn't like I I I did a. I did two forty nine on the last one that I did. Holy shit, dude! It's crazy. I think I could get really fast if I started like training for it, but I got into the ultra game and now like I'm, I, I have a, I have a, I'm about to sign up for a hundred miler. I just did a hundred K. 
Do you have a running buddy? Do you, do you have a, a friend who's like, or, or a team of friends? Uh, no, no, I have some friends that do it, but like, I don't really have anyone that like, Oh fuck. Did we, um, Damn, <laughs> oh, I didn't think we we're going to be on this long. Let me see. That's weird that it's like out though. It just said I had like three hours. I got to switch it back. Hold on. Um, how can I, how can I switch the video back? Oh, here. Do you have yeah, a camera on your computer that it'll just, yeah, I'll you? switch it back. Yep. Hold on. Do you have a running coach? Um, I don't have a running coach. No. Have you ever thought about getting one? I'm trying to fix this shit. Um, it's fine. Whatever. Um, no, I never thought about getting a running coach, man. I just, I'm just like very like, I, I like just doing things my way. I had somebody just asked me this the other day. Somebody else said I got into running. The fuck did this camera battery down? I'm pissed about that right now. Whatever. We're here. As soon as, soon as we get, we only have 10 more minutes. As soon as we get off there, you just throw that thing across the room. Fucking chucking that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. No, no running coach. And what were you saying? Someone asked you the other day about what? Yeah, my buddy that I got like heavy into the ultra stuff. I asked him about it and, um, he, uh, he was like, yeah, I got a coach. I'm going to start training for ultra and stuff. You ever thought about it? And I was just kind of like. Yeah, it's crossed my mind, but like, I just don't think I need it. I think I have like the discipline for it if I want to train for it. I mean, like, look, I went into like five weeks of training before I did that 100K and I did pretty good. And uh, I just kind of know what it takes to fucking train. Maybe I could get my running a little bit better with a coach, but you know, I'm like very big on just getting shit done myself. I don't, I don't like really look for anybody else for help. Do you have an inspiration? Is there someone in the game you're chasing or anyone you follow? I don't think anyone I'm chasing. I think like the way that Goggins operates is really fucking dope to me. I just like how he's on his own grind. He doesn't take any sponsors. I like how he just doesn't give a fuck what anybody thinks. Um, definitely very like-minded. I think the way that he just maneuvers and he's not even really considered an ultra runner, you know, but he's like still one of the best to me in my mind, like, you know, with just the things that he's done and accomplished and with, you know, not having, I don't, I'm positive the guy doesn't use coaches or anything like that. That guy's in his own game. Yeah. I wonder if he does. I don't think so. Have you met him? No, he lives in Vegas close to one of my buddies. Have you reached out? I don't out think to I really, him? no, I don't think I've like really put myself in the environments now. I'm always on my own wave, man. Like I, I've never really looked up to anybody and I don't, I don't, I, I don't, like to go off of someone else's kind of schedule or regimen or whatever. I see other people and I'm like, dope. Like what they're doing is dope. They're affecting other people. Um, they're in service for others. They're, they're doing what they do and they're inspiring people in their own way and their own light. And I think that that's dope to me, but I don't look at anybody and be like, Oh, I want to be like them. You know, I'm just kind of in my own wave. And if I meet people, I meet them. If I don't, I just keep doing what I do. Hey, maybe that's why you were so good in that scene because you didn't trip around the most famous people in the world. I just didn't care. Yeah, I just never really cared about it. Like I knew having the relationships with them and I knew that, you know, having them around was good for my business, but I wasn't like starstruck or I didn't care. They're all normal people like us, man. They're all going through their own shit. They're all they're all fucking normal people, but I it's just like you can't the outside, you know, the, the, the public doesn't believe it. You know, they think like, it's just, this is the way that it is, but it's not like they are going through the same struggles and problems that everyone else is. They might have more money. They might have more fame, but they're still going through the same bullshit that all of us are going through. Give me an example of what, what when you say the same bullshit we're going through, you mean like their, their mom's, 
depression, um, mental health, like all, all kinds of things. You know, I'd say like 99% of celebrities I was friends with were all fucking dealing with fucking inner demons and depression and alcoholism and drugs and all kinds of shit, man. And, um, there was very rare of them that like were actually generally happy and like had their shit together and they're always chasing that next high and it never ends for them. You know, it's just always this fucking next high up the next high, next high. You just keep climbing and it never fucking ends. And they're replacing it with, you know, things that hold no real meaning in life, which whatever materialistic item it is or whatever next hot girl it is or whatever next hot dude it is. It's just like, it never ends. And it you know, you know, if yeah, you see ahead. someone who's obese, they're like a hundred pounds overweight, like, you know, that that's a refined carbohydrate addict. Like that person has, and, and when you see them like 300 pounds, you know, that they have like a real problem. Like every time they have the, to maintain, to be a 400 pound person, every time you drive by McDonald's, you have to stop and get a milkshake and a quarter pounder before every meal, you have to have a meal. You, you know, you know, like they are hard, yeah. Yeah, crazy hardcore addicts. Um, it, there there's no there's no healthy no matter what anyone tells you there's no healthy obese people they're all like they're all addicts um are there any healthy people who go to the club if you i mean outside i mean i know that at any night you could show up there and there's people there who are there for the first time and they'll never come back again for whatever reason but is the club scene is it 50 percent addicts whether it be nicotine alcohol or i'd say say like 99.8 percent of them all drink like you know? to a, to to a point where they need it. They like. I think a lot of people are just escaping um, some sort of situation that they're dealing with—a breakup, depression, whatever it is. So they go out to forget about it. You know, so most of these people are always fighting some sort of some sort of internal battle that nobody knows about. You know, because I always tell people, most people aren't going out to celebrate like a victory or happiness. There are people that go do that. There are people that are out for a birthday or they're they're celebrating that they just closed this deal or whatever it is, but. The regular people that I would see out nightly, there's a reason why they're out fucking night. You know, they're they, running. They want to get laid, right? I mean, that's they why I get laid, or they're running away from. <laughs> that's why I'm. Yeah, that's why, wanna, I left. You know, that's why I never running. leave the house now. I'm married. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're but they're also running away from issues. You know, like I just, you know, majority of the people I met weren't happy people. They looked happy on the outside, but when you get to know them and you got to know what what, what they were going through, it made sense of why they were always out. You know, damn. Um, did 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 finding God or or any of that stuff play a, a role in your life in the last couple of years through this transition? Um, I'm not religious at all. I I guess I would say that I do believe in some sort of higher power, and that the word is God or whatever. But definitely spirituality is big for me. I think meditation was very big for me. Um, getting into meditation helped me a ton when I was going through this whole fucking cancel culture bullshit when I was disconnected from everybody. That like every morning, I would that was the first thing I would do. I usually get up around 4 a.m. and just fucking meditate, and like I would just set intentions for the day, and it played like a huge role in on how how the whole day was going to play out for me. What What does that mean? What's meditation mean? Um, you know what meditation means? No, I mean I do. I mean I know what it means for me. Um, you know, just being able to sit still and um, you know, setting some intentions, setting some intentions and some goals and. Being able to just sit still with yourself and doing some heavy breathing. And um, have you done meditation before? Yeah. So you're just kind of asking. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. That's what every podcast is. <laughs> this is your meditation right here. You know, it's crazy that I get into like a crazy meditative state when um, I'm running. 
I go into like a, a crazy flow, especially when I'm on the treadmill. I can just close my eyes and I just fucking, I'm just gone. And most people hate running on the treadmill. I like it because it's so brutal just having to sit in one fucking spot and just be with yourself. And it reminds me of meditation, but like while I'm moving, burning calories, going on these highs and lows, and it's fucking beautiful to me. I fucking love it. Most people are like, how do you sit on the treadmill for fucking hours? And I'm like, that's the whole point. Like, I like to sit there and suffer in that one fucking spot. It's a lot easier to go run out on the trails. It's not easier to run in the trails because you're climbing mountains and doing this. But when you have nature and, you know, you, have, you can see the ocean and you're, you're moving in different spots, it's easier to run in a sense. It's funny you say that because in the book, you talk about how you always ran with music. And when I was reading that, I was like, oh, I need to tell Eli about the importance of, of exercising without music. And then lo and behold, as the book evolved, you went through yeah. You realized, yeah. and I, and in the CrossFit scene, I, I do a lot of CrossFit and I don't listen to music and, and I would just spend, and I just really enjoy listening to myself breathe and at hard exercise and oxygen deprivation will cause a forced spiritual evolution in people because it causes stillness. It forces you to stop thinking like, I don't care what's going on in your life, no matter how bad you think it is. If you do a hundred burpees as fast as you can, all your problems will go away. So because true. You, you'll be fighting for air you'll be like a fish out of water i'm telling you like when i was going through all my shit you know i would wake up just feeling like what the fuck am i gonna do and i would just get on that treadmill or get in the streets and like when i hit like mile 15 like or you know once i get into like mile 10 like everything just gone nothing can bo nothing bothers me anymore anything that anytime I, I always told myself this if i ever had like anything I was upset about or emotional about or anything like that. When I would wake up in the morning, I'd like go fucking run first and don't touch your phone and then still see if you feel the same after. And I never felt the same. Thank God I didn't write that person. They got him write this person. Like, you know, I was just, I, I was just like, fuck it. I don't really even care about this stuff anymore. So um, when I get injured now. Yeah, go ahead. Almost before. No, no, go ahead. You say when you get injured now, what? Uh, yeah. When you get injured, like it's a fucking bummer when I can't fucking run, you know, but that's it. I go sit on that fucking bike for like an hour and a half, but the feeling on that bike is a lot different than being able like the running motion and getting like, I'm not getting on no fucking high on that bike. I'm just sitting there straight suffering for an hour and a half straight or two hours or whatever it is, you know? God after. So I did it for 40 minutes once. And then, and then we, you and I have had a little bit of a discourse back and forth and you told me how long you did it. And so I was going to try to do it for an hour and I made it to 40 minutes again. I'm like this motherfucker. Did you go to 40? I haven't made it to 40 now twice. I thought I would never do 40 again, but then after talking to you with you, I did 40 again. Man, I think, it, it is hard. I, think I, got an idea, I got an idea for you. You can rewatch our podcast while you're, uh, while you're, yeah. on the <laughs> and you're and you'll make it almost an hour and a half. Good. That's a good point. That's a good point. Fucking great. Um, I, I, before, I, before every podcast, when I can, I do a lot of podcasts at seven in the morning, but like this podcast today, before I, before we do it, any podcast that's later on in the day, I always exercise right before for, a, oh, for yeah. purposely. So I'll have a clear mind. So I usually ride the assault bike for 10 minutes, really, really hard. And then today there were a bunch of people working out in my garage. So I did some rucking. Have you ever thought about doing rucking? Do you know what that is? Mm, what's that? It's basically, you should look that up. Go ruck. Um, it's, it's putting a pack on your back and walking. At a Wait. fast pace, yeah, and man, people fucking swear by this shit. I thought about, I thought about just doing like, uh, like going on like, because right now for training for the ultra stuff, I want to start. Uh, yeah, well, made a rucksack, whatever. Yeah, I, I've been you wanting to even this. run. You just move fast. That's what I'm saying. So I think I want to start doing that, and I want to go out in the mountains for like six hours to just get time on feet. Right, you know, that'll give me good yep. training for the hundred milers. So 
that would be smart because then once I get that backpack off and I'm out there for a long time, it's going to feel a lot nicer. What's your heartbeats um, hang out at when you do these runs, these 60 mile runs? Do you know? Uh, it just depends. Like it depends on how fast I'm running. That's when the heart rate changes, right? Like, sure. I think at the end of the 60 miler, the 62 miler I did, I was like in the one thirty, one high one thirties, low one forties, something like that. But like, if I go and bang out a fucking a marathon at a six twenty seven per mile pace, that motherfucker's sitting in like the one sixties. You know, like there's no way it's going down below that. It just depends how fast you're going. Because I I I read recently or someone told me that they were rucking with a fifty pound pack and they were just walking fast and their heartbeat was at one fifty. No way. Yeah. I want to actually. I want to test that out. Because I and feel supposedly like any, it's good for your back. I mean, I find that hard to believe, but I don't yeah, want to push think, that lie if that's not true. But 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 people swear by it. Yeah, I feel like um, I don't feel like my heart rate would be high. I know my body, even with the weight on my back, but. Yeah, that's fucking that, that's bizarre, brother. I'm so excited about your uh your book that you completed it. I'm excited. I I, I hope that there's a series. I I hope that I mean the documentary would be cool, but I would really like like a, a fictional series that's based on true stories. I would love a uh the sex book. I the naked people and genitalia always excites me. Um, I'll just I'll write that and give that one to you just for yourself to have. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, it was a great pleasure meeting you. It's always fun reading a book, and it, it, it's, it's a trip meeting the author. It's always an honor. Likewise, man. I had a great time talking with you as well. Um, and the book is Mask. Um, I got it on Apple iTunes. I listened to it, and you can also get it on Amazon. Um, Audible. You can, any, you can get it on anywhere. Yep, yep. There it is. Yep. Amazon Audible. Yep. It's a good fucking story, and uh, I think the audibles. I think the audible is great. You get way more information in there. You get my voice in there, and uh, yeah, it's fucking. Thank you for your time, Eli. Really appreciate it, and 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 thank you to Kyle Creek for uh, hooking us up. That was really oh, cool. yeah. Kyle's a man. Yep. Yeah. Fuck yeah. We love did Kyle. You, did you meet him in the club? No, we have not. Me and Kyle haven't even met in person. He came to L.A. like he came to L.A. maybe like two weeks ago and we were trying to meet up and then our schedules were conflicted, but, uh, we'll end up, we'll meet up eventually. We actually met on Instagram. He actually reached out to me when I put up that running video, um, when I first came back onto IG and then oh. that's how it all started. Yeah. And that's how it all started. And he just like, fuck it. I fuck with you. And I was like, I fuck with you, man. I fuck <laughs> with you. I'm like, no, I fuck with you. You know, like, I fuck with you. You know, and that's it. And we talk every day almost. He's, he's a, he's a good dude. All right. Peace. All right. Peace Thank man. you, man. Thank you boys. All right.